0: I'm having Kevin bring out the chair. It looks like I'm sloughing off as usual, okay, in the background. on it. It's part of the dynamic with the chemo. I get so, I start thinking of the homily that I, I also get dizzy, dizzier than normal. And these steps, I don't see them clearly. And so it's easily in the middle of the homily, I'll just go right on over. It makes a pretty dramatic effect, okay? So I sit down for the main purpose is that I can concentrate on the homily, rather than figuring it out from not to tumble in front of you and make a scene. So that's why I'm doing it, okay? It's also more comfortable, okay? There is so much news at present, a lot of banners in the air uh, calling for justice, a lot of anger, and a lot of fear. And in this context, I'd I'd like to really encourage us to hang on to this gospel of today and the readings of today, because I think the Lord gives us in the readings of today a very, very powerful way of knowing how to confront a situation in our own lives and in our world around us when there's a lot of fear, and yet we want justice to happen. But the way that Jesus starts to take shape of giving justice a reality in our world is he goes a whole different direction. And that's by forgiveness, whole different direction. But before I go into this, listening so closely to the gospel, I'd like to tell three stories, three stories that are very, very hard, where it seemed like justice and the mercy of God, and it was just a confusion, and there was an awful lot of fear in these stories. And yet Christ is in the middle of these places. First one happened about 20 years for me. I was part of a delegation to, uh, uh, sponsored by Mary Knoll missionaries of about 15, 20 priests throughout the United States, to visit the countries of uh, Guatemala, El Salvador, and Honduras for about two weeks to see what the church was like in those three countries 20 years ago. I remember we were uh, coming in from El Salvador into Honduras. It's a dangerous bus. They said half the buses get attacked. So that was a good starter for us all on the precinct. We're coming into this country and we might get attacked. So we arrived into the town of San Pedro Sula. When you see a lot of the immigrants coming from Honduras, they're coming from many, many of them. Large numbers of the caravans from San Pedro Sula. 20 years ago, roughly, it had been hit very strongly by Hurricane Mitch. And when we were coming into it at that time, just arriving into the town area, It had just been hit by even more floods. The priest of the little church that we were part of, a Marino priest, he came up and asked, are there any of you, the 15 guys, can speak Spanish? My Spanish was very poor and I said I could read it. He said, I need to be at two places at the same time, two funerals. One is there's been a gang war that's gone on and several young kids have been killed. I'm going to take that funeral. But I need help in someone else taking a funeral for this flash flood that came in. The 12-year-old was swept into the flood and the father went into the waters to get his son. The son was able to come out of the water, but the father never came out. Could you do the funeral? The new country, community... And speaking broken Spanish. And in that small little community of persons, there was like this feeling of where is justice here? A gang war conflict, a father dying for his son to save him, swept in the waters. God, where is your justice? Hang on to that story. Hang on to that story. Last year, I was in a parish before I arrived here in in St. John Eudes in Chatsworth. And uh, a mother who had been praying for her son, who was 21 years old, he struggled with schizophrenia. Very, very painful illness, mental illness. We still do not, we have different remedies, drugs, but so often it cannot even be treated in schizophrenia. The mom was probably about 40 And her son, in the struggle with the schizophrenia, if you know the area of Chatsworth, there's a train that goes through there. He lost it and jumped in front of the train and committing suicide. I was asked to do the funeral. And speaking with the mom, he's saying, each day I pray for my son, Philip. I pray that God forgive him, that I forgive him, and that just that we'll be together again. Where's justice? Where's justice? The third story. I was, it's actually a combination of two stories, but it's really I think they're connected stories. Yesterday morning, I was coming downstairs. Monsignor's reading the newspapers. We usually talk about homilies or things like that so that we can steal from each other, okay? All the priests do that. It's a form of being Christian, okay? (laughs) So he came down, and I just started getting breakfast and stuff like that, and he said, what are you going to preach about? Racism or the guns and the killings and the massacres? I said, I, I didn't know which one I wanted to take. He said, I'm going to talk about peace. I sat on his words and I said, how do we in our country right now? I mean, Dwayne Wright was, was killed recently, just this week. Sure, resisting arrest in this situation on that. But 10 miles away, The trial was going on and determination right now. It's gone to the jury of determining of what was this death with George Floyd and nine minutes of officer's knee on a person's neck until they're dead. It's not only this country that's watching what's going on this week. The entire world is asking this question of justice, justice. Let's hang on to the gospel. Otherwise, what happens is we get all kinds of bitterness and anger. We start to create what we think is justice, and it goes all over the place and tears things apart. And Christ does have a sense of justice, but it starts from a whole different place. So the disciples, in each of the stories I told you, I told you stories about fear. Fear. Fear people becoming afraid of the situation. of Where is God in this place? We want justice, but more and more the fear seems to be growing. So in the gospel today, what's happening is the disciples are in the upper room after the resurrection. And they're scared that what happened to Jesus is going to happen to them. The doors are locked. Doors are locked. When Christ steps in through the doors, what could he have said? You took off. Yeah, that's right. He's part of the prop, too. (laughs) You took off. You didn't even take care of me. You said you wouldn't abandon me, and all of you took off. You even denied me three times. And when I'm hanging on the cross, who's there? The women. And John, he doesn't respond that way. Christ could have demanded that type of justice. I say, I'm back now, and I want to show you guys, I want something totally different here. The first word he says, peace. When they could have been looking at themselves out of guilt or fear, and it's a peace that comes from his, fear, his, his forgiveness of us. That when, in, when he went into the cross and entered into the depths of that, into the resurrection, he begins by giving us a peace and forgiving us. That's the start. The core of our faith is the people who have been forgiven. Whatever our nightmares are, that's the beginning place. And as he comes to them and looks at each of their faces, because sometimes we can't even believe in that type of forgiveness, he says, come here and touch me. Touch my wounds. You ever thought about why when Christ resurrected, he has the wounds still. He's not trying to say the sins are not there. But as we come close to him and see that he loves us and he forgives us, He also wants us to remember that I also helped crucify him. My sins are real. And yet he really does forgive me. Come and touch me. Come and be near me. I'm not here to crush you. My justice is something different. But it begins in forgiveness. And I love the next scene so much. He says, do you have anything to eat? They give him fish. He eats it. So they can be in communion with him. Sometimes when we touch the wounds of scene where we might have hurt God or hurt each other, the community, the body of Christ. We turn away. But he says, I love you. I forgive you. And I'm going to bring communion with you. What are we doing now with the meal? Communion. And it's something that we can't figure out on our own because we can't even figure out how, how to establish our own justice. But Christ who comes into the picture, enters into our life, enters into all of our fears and the rooms that are boxed in. We're so afraid. Taking out more and more Guns whatever it might be. The Lord says, I forgive you. I love you. I forgive you. I give you my peace. Be in communion with me. And when we can't be in communion, he literally gives himself as communion. Day in, day out. I'll make this reconciliation with you. And you will become the people of reconciliation the very next thing he says in this gospel, then he opened their minds to understand. To understand what his life was about, to understand what our wounds and our difficulties and sometimes our fallings can even be turned around. And he opens our minds to see that we're part of his plans. That's when justice starts to take shape. When we're in communion with Christ and we know that we're forgiven, the Spirit of God enters in us and gives us now a different type of vision about justice. Look what happens in the first reading today. Peter, the one who's always afraid. Peter who said something and then denies it. He's in a crowd of 5,000 people. When before, a little girl came up to him and said, I think you're a Nazarene. And he couldn't even say, I believe in Jesus. He speaks in front of these 5,000 where he can get arrested and killed. And said, my friends, you've killed an innocent man. He speaks a truth, that justice that comes first from knowing his own being forgiven. And being in communion with Christ. And then understanding a justice that doesn't come from my own efforts, but the God that lives inside of us and says, speak. Don't be silent. It comes from a different place of being in peace with God. Not a bitterness, not a frustration, but a different place. And then he says, after he gives understanding... I send you to preach a repentance to all the nations of the world. That's us. That's us. My friends, I think with all the things that are going on in our country, in our land, and in our own hearts, if we're watching that fear is increasing, most likely the type of justice we're looking for has nothing to do with Jesus Christ. But if the fear is dissipating and in giving us hope and courage to speak, that's very, very different. So in the first story in Honduras, the whole story of a father giving his life for his son, God is right there in the mist, if we have eyes to see, even in the pain and the struggles and the difficulties. In the second story of Philip jumping in front of the train with the schizophrenia, a mother praying for her son every day that God holds him. My gosh, my friends, we're in the church of St. Monica's. The whole story of St. Monica and Augustine is a mother who prayed for her son for her whole life until she died. St. Ambrose said to to, to St. Monica, a mother's tears that you have will never be forgotten by God. Philip on his mom, God hears them, embraces them. Dwayne Wright, George Floyd. Where is God's spirit here? I suspect the breath of George Floyd is traveled all over the world by the gift of the Holy Spirit to open us to see when innocent is crushed, to root out our our layers and layers of racism that we do have, and to have courage to make a difference and change the people of repentance. And more than that, God is always doing more than that. And in this last area of these massacres, gun shooting in Indianapolis, we've become numb. Since January 1st, there's been over 147 massacres in this country of more than four people being shot. 147 times. Maybe the Spirit of God is saying to us, We become addicted to our guns. And then God, who wants to bring a peace, is calling us to something much, much more. Not to become numb. And definitely not after each master to go out and buy more guns, as though that's going to eliminate the fear. This homily is not about politics. It's about a Christ who steps into our life to take away fear to give peace and in his peace he gives us a communion to have courage to establish a real justice that changes and makes a difference and it could well cost our life but a risen Christ helps us to see even beyond that. So my friends this day rather than remembering all these different steps, peace, touching the wounds of Christ, communion, opening the mind, and being sent out to be people of restoration, of reconciliation, I'd invite you just to think of one thing. When Christ enters your house, when Christ enters the house of your heart, and you feel his peace and quiet, Just touch his wounds, his hands, his feet, in your imagination, or maybe the wounds of your own life. He'll do the rest of the work of bringing communion and filling you with wisdom about what justice is about. But let his peace come. As Monsignor says, I'm going to talk about peace. Gosh, we need Christ's peace to dwell first in our hearts, to teach us reconciliation, and to make a real justice happen today. Amen. Amen.